Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Are you ready? I want to begin by reading this uh, testimony I have for you because it says a mouthful to all of us. Claiming our healing can be a true battle of faith. Okay, that's what this is all about. Healing is often an area that Christians struggle with and yet God's power to heal all sickness is available to us if we know how to receive it. You notice we're not focusing on whether or not God can give it because he's already given it. But it's our ability to receive it. Back in 1990-91, I was seriously ill and had also been told that I would not be able to have children. I was trying to receive healing from the Lord, studying the Word daily, listening to preaching on faith and healing, and putting into practice all that I learned. However, I was not getting healed. I cried out to the Lord one day saying, I have done all that I know. I studied your Word I speak it out all day, but I'm still not healed. The Lord replied, you still see yourself as a sick person. Think about that. You still see yourself as a sick person. Well, I thought I was in faith because I was so convinced about the word of God and was speaking it out. And yet this wasn't positioning me or others, as I have since found, to receive the healing power of God. We have a perspective where we can easily focus on symptoms in sickness, the limitations they bring, what's impossible or how we are going to get our healing by our own efforts. God also has a perspective where he sees that he is our healer, that he himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities and bore away our diseases. And that's from Matthew 18 in the Amplified Bible, 8, 8 verse 17. And, and the Amplified, and that by whose stripes or wounds you have been healed, 1 Peter 2, 24. Faith comes from seeing God's perspective. As we shift to see things from his perspective, we start to be positioned to receive his power and find that in that place, healing comes much more easily. This simple shift positioned me and many others since to receive the power of God that is more than enough to deal with any sickness or weakness. We have seen so many miracles in our family, including our two beautiful children. I remember she wasn't able to have children. And in the lives of so many others in this way. This is what the healing service is all about. Bringing people in contact with the extraordinary healing power of God. And helping them be positioned to receive it. As a team we are so passionate about seeing God's power brought to all. That people see the goodness of God through healing. And that they live in divine health that God has made available to them. Notice the perspective that's being talked about here is that of. Seeing ourselves as God sees us and not as we see ourselves or as our bodies dictate to us, but seeing ourselves as he sees us. As far as he's concerned, the work is complete. As far as he's concerned, the work is already done. As far as he's concerned, he's given us all that pertains to life and godliness. As far as he's concerned, it's up to us to go to the throne of grace and receive help in our time of need. 
not God give it. He's already given it. It's up to us to receive it. He's made a way for us to enter into his throne, go into the throne room to obtain mercy and find grace to help. It's up to us to receive what God has given. Anyone who wants saved or needs saved, God's already given salvation. We've got to receive it. It's already been given. And so she's talking about positioning ourselves by what? Seeing ourselves as God sees us. We see ourselves complete in Christ. We see ourselves redeemed. We see ourselves made whole. We see ourselves victorious. We see ourselves as overcomers. We see ourselves rising up above any mountain of adversity that comes our way because we've been delivered by the blood of the Lamb. And so we add our word of our testimony to it and we say, I agree with God. Can two walk together except they be agreed? God wants us to see ourselves as he sees us and agree with him. As Job talked about, we've got to come to God, agree with God, conform to his will, and great good will come to us. And so that's his will, that we see ourselves as he sees us. And so that's what we want to talk about here. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, uh, the verse, we're not going to take time to read all the verses. You can take them home. You can look them over. But it talks about... Uh, Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, it talks about night and day, and it talks about summer and winter, and of those things, they're all the same, will always be as long as the earth remaineth, but the one that we have control over is seed time and harvest. The other ones, we don't have anything to do with heat and cold, we have nothing to do with summer and winter, those are the seasons, and night and day, it's always going to be. We can't change that. But seed time and harvest, when it comes to spiritual things in our lives, there's something that we can do about that. So in line one, the only part of this verse we have control over is seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest are your two words. Seed time and harvest. We can actually split that apart and just say seed, pause, time, and harvest. Seed, you plant the seed, there's time, and then harvest what's been planted. So there's seed, time, and harvest. Whatever fruit we desire, though, we must sow the appropriate seed. If we want salvation, we have to sow the seed of salvation. If we want healing, we've got to sow the seed of healing in our hearts. If we want deliverance, we've got to sow the seed of deliverance. Whatever it is that we want, we've got to sow the seed. It's up to us to do our part. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 14, we are told that the Word of God is the seed. Now you're other word there is appropriate. Did you get that? Okay. The word is the seed. If we desire salvation, healing, or anything else, we must sow the appropriate seed is your next word. We sow the seed that we desire. What is it that we desire? This is how the word works. This is how we receive from God. He made it available to every single one of us so that it's easy for each one to do the same thing. You want a garden? Go plant one. And you can get whatever fruit you want, vegetable that you want. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, the gist of it is this. One plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. That's your word there is God gives the increase. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God himself gives the increase. So the seed is powerless if it's not planted. So until it's planted... It's not going to produce anything. You could have a seed in your back pocket. It's not going to produce anything. It's got to be planted. Once it's planted, it has the potential to produce fruit after its own kind. So the next word is potential. 
So we're sowing the seed of the Word of God into our hearts. Why? So that we can see ourselves the way God sees us. We never saw ourselves the way God saw us before we got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and we got a revelation of His Word. We saw ourselves probably in the mirror as to who we are with the limitations that we have and we view ourselves that way until we get saved. Once we get saved, then we get a revelation of how God sees us and what's the whole uh, point of our growing in Christ is becoming who He made us. Walking in the light of the revelation of who we are, walking in his achievements in the full, fullness of his, of his redemption. That's what we're supposed to do. So we sow the seed of God's word into our hearts so that it can produce a fruit. So if a person, for example, has difficulty with low self-esteem, and maybe they see themselves as a nobody, well, the word of God says you're a masterpiece. You're a work of outstanding, outstanding artistry and skill. That's what the Word says. But you see, the reality of that is far from us. Until we finally sit down with the Word of God and say, why am I a masterpiece? Why am I a work of outstanding artistry, skill, and workmanship? Why? Not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, not because of my achievements, but because of who He is and what He has done and His achievements. I just embrace that. I accept that. I receive that. I declare that. I'm walking to the throne of God and I'm saying, you know what, Lord, if, if I went by how I feel right now, how I look right now, how I think about myself right now, I'd probably feel like a worm in the dust. But you know what? I'm coming because I know that you made me who I am. It's not who I am. It's you made me who I am. And if you say I'm saved, I'm saved. If you say I'm delivered, I'm delivered. If you say I'm healed, I'm healed. If you say I'm set free, if you say I'm important, if you say I mean something to you, then you know what? I have to agree with your word and what it says. I'm acquainting myself with you. I am agreeing with you. I am submitting to your will so that great good can come into my life. But if I side with the devil, the world, and the flesh, guess what? That's what will dominate me. The devil, the world, and the flesh will dominate me if I side with the devil, world, and the flesh. So this process is learning how that we could receive from God and experience from God all that Jesus bought and paid for when he shed his blood on Calvary. So... Your next word, the seed is powerless. You got that one. Once planted, it has the potential, is your next word, to produce fruit of its own kind. Notice this, so important. Prayer is not the seed. Prayer is not the seed. The word is. Thank God for prayer, but prayer is not the seed. Prayer can be the vehicle by which we plant the seed, sow the seed, but the word is the seed. And thank God for the word. Okay. Now, in first, for example, in the book of Acts chapter 10, it's not in your notes, but just listen. You recall Cornelius was the centurion of the Italian band. And we know that he was a devout man who prayed always and fasted and also gave alms. Sounds like a pretty religious individual, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. But guess what? He lacked one thing. He wasn't saved. He was not saved. But here was a man who was devout, prayer warrior, somebody who gave to the poor, helped people, etc., etc., fasted even, but he wasn't saved. But Peter was sent over his house one day. See, he got God's attention by his character, his attitude, his persistence in the things of God, his desire, his whole heart was to know God. So Peter was sent to his house, and Peter brought back words whereby he must be saved. He sowed the seed of God's word into the hearts of those individuals. And what happened to them? They received salvation and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke the word of God. Uh, they, they, they worshiped God. They glorified God. They prophesied. 
in a heartbeat when the seed of God's word was sown in their lives. So thank God that uh, the seed of God's word, when planted in the heart of an individual, has the potential to produce the fruit that God wants that person to experience. Under point two, Apollos watered the seed. Remember Paul said, I sowed it, but Apollos watered it. What does that mean? You know, sometimes it takes a while for it to sink into our ears. You know that as well as I do. You've heard my testimony when someone told me, at first I must be born again, I thought they were lunatics. I thought they were crazy. But I'm thankful to God he never gave up on me because of my attitude at that time. He sent someone else down my path who watered the seed and said to me, you must be born again. And I thought, dear Lord, this is, I'm hearing this again and again. I've never heard this before. But someone's watering the word. Then my dad came along and he preached to me the book of Revelation, put the fear of God in me. He continued watering the seed of God's word as well. And finally, it got my attention. And you're going to see something here. As we point out some other scriptures in a moment, that if the water is not there, the seed can wither away. And that's exactly what the devil's objective is. To see to it that when a person hears the word of God, to do something to get rid of it so it doesn't take root in the heart of the person and produce fruit in that person's life. It's exactly what he intends to do with everyone. It's, it's all the same. No matter who you are, he has no different plan. Okay, so your words are watered the seed. Every planted, every planted seed needs water or it will wither away is your next word. And then under point A, God's word always grows when sown in good soil and watered. It has to be sown in good soil and it has to be watered in order for it to produce fruit. Well, we know that just about farming. We understand that. Every seed has got to be watered. If not, it's going to wither away. It's not going to produce. Not because the, it doesn't work. It'll, it'll work if it gets the proper environment. Okay, so... The soil is the heart of the individual that the seed of God's word is planted into or sown into. This is called the parable of the sower, but it should be the parable of the heart. The condition of the spirit or the heart condition of the individual. Because he goes on to talk about the good heart and basically the characteristics of the bad heart. So we're going to look at some of those. And in point B. In Matthew 13, 23, Mark 4, 20, and Luke 8, 15, here's what we have. We have a revelation of good soil. In Matthew 13, 23, it says, he hears the word and he understands the word. So the first thing is we have to understand it. Secondly, in Mark's gospel, chapter 4, he hears the word and he receives it. Some people don't want to receive what God has to say. And the third one is in Luke 8 and verse 15, he hears the word and he protects it in his heart and brings forth fruit with patience. So if you put those three commentaries on the seed being sown into the heart of a person, the good soul is someone who understands the word. He receives the word and then he protects it in his heart. Why does he have to keep it there and protect it there? Because every seed needs to be protected. There's enemies out there trying to steal the word away and prevent the word from producing fruit in the heart of the individual. It's important that we understand that we have a part to play in this. The soil is the soil of the heart. And if the heart is a hardened heart, if, the, if it's a shallow heart, 
if it's a heart that's so full of everything that it chokes things out, it's not going to produce anything. You see, the seed's incorruptible. We've been born again, not by corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. So the seed is incorruptible, which means it's not capable of failure. In the natural, we can have some seed that maybe they get rotted out and all that. They don't produce. But God's word, his seed is incorruptible. It will always produce a result when it's basically sown in the right soil or within the right heart. So. As you see here, it goes on to say it understands, it receives, and protects the word. If the soil is good, the incorruptible seed will produce fruit. If the soil is good, it will produce fruit, no questions asked. It's, that's what's going to happen. But then we have under point C, we've got the bad soil. And the bad soil has been revealed to us in the same three uh, gospel commentaries. The first one is the heart. He sows the seed and the soil is hard. It's a beaten down path, and it can't take root. It's just sitting there, and immediately comes the devil to steal the word away. And so it could be like that, or a bird would just come by and just pick it up, take it away. But the devil's coming immediately, Jesus said, when the seed is sown, the devil will come immediately to just take it away. And if the heart is hardened to the word of God, it'll fall on deaf ears. It will not settle down in their heart. They'll just reject it, turn away from it, walk away from it. Don't even have a desire to understand it or whatever. I don't want to hear that. And there are many hardened people out there when it comes to the word of God. Doesn't mean anything to them. So that's the first bad soil we see. When you sow the seed of God's word, there'll be those even, let's just say that maybe they think they might want it. But when they hear it, it's going to have to change their lives. They don't want anything to do with it. Because their heart is hardened to it. Matter of fact, Jesus put it this way. When you preach to them the kingdom, they like the darkness more than the light. And so because they like the darkness more than the light, guess what? They don't want it. Okay. There's a hardened heart. I remember uh, sharing the gospel message with someone. And I knew the family well. And I shared it. And best I knew how. And the person was really contemplating coming to Christ. I mean, he was right there. I thought for sure he was going to give his heart to Jesus. I said, you take this and think about it and you let me know what you want to do. He said, okay, I appreciate you doing that. The next day when I saw him, he goes, I don't want anything to do with this. And I thought, what happened from one day to the next day? His father came along and told him, don't listen to a word he has to say. He's a communist. That's what he said. Those are the very words he used. He, what he's telling you is off the wall. Don't listen to him at all. Immediately the seed was just plucked out. I don't know if he ever gave his heart to Jesus. I know he's gone now. I don't know if he ever did. I pray that he did. But at that point, the seed was gone. Didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. The second condition we see here is stony. And this is talking about when the seed of God's word will, will start, it will take root, it will start to produce, but there's going to be some challenges because you see it's shallow at that time. And because it's shallow, when the, the heat of temptation and affliction and those things come and persecution come, well, they get offended. 
You know, it's easy for us to get offended, even at the word. When a person thinks, well, I've done this, I've done that. Like this woman said right here. She said, I tried this, I spoke the word, I did all these things I knew to do, but I wasn't getting any better. I wasn't getting healed or anything like that. It's easy for people to get offended at that and just say, forget about it. So what are we going to do? Who, to whom are we going to go? We're just going to go to what medical science can do and that's it and just, you know, let the cars fall where they may, whatever. But this woman, you notice, didn't do that. She said, Lord, I've done everything that I know to do. What's going on here? And what did he say to her? You see yourself sick. You don't see yourself well. You see yourself from your perspective, but you don't see yourself from my perspective. I want you to start seeing yourself the way I see you. I see you healed. I see you redeemed. I see you delivered. I see you set free. I see you as more than a conqueror. I see you as an overcomer. I see you well equipped to rise up above what you're going through right now. You've got to shift your perspective and stop seeing yourself the way you see yourself and start seeing yourself the way I see you. And when she made that adjustment in her life, guess what? She tapped into the healing power of God and she got healed. Whatever it was that was preventing her from having children was healed and then she had two uh, beautiful children. So, Shallow means this. I'm borrowing it from somebody else. I don't have it really in my heart, as it should be, rooted and grounded in my heart. Maybe I heard it along the way. Maybe by the wayside I heard some things and I'm, I've accepted some of it and I started to walk in it and all of a sudden I got persecuted for it. I got afflicted for it. And all of a sudden I'm offended. They get offended at it. I've heard it so often. That word of faith teaching doesn't work. Really? Paul preached the word of faith. That's how a person gets saved. If it doesn't work, nobody's saved. The problem is we've left it only for salvation, not realizing that salvation means deliverance, healing, wholeness, preservation, protection, and soundness. And it's all available to us, but we've limited it to just one thing, one aspect of it, and we've walked away from the rest of it because we don't know how to receive it. Not that God doesn't know how to give it. He's already given it. As a matter of fact, it's time for the body of Christ to rise up and say, I'm not trying to get God to do something. He's done something. I'm receiving it. I'm receiving victory in my life. I'm receiving healing. I'm receiving wholeness. I'm receiving this country under the power of God, the anointing of God. God wants us to say, I believe. I receive it. I'm walking in the light of it. I have it now. I'm operating from the position of a victor, not a victim. I'm not sick trying to get well. I'm healed. The devil trying to steal my sickness, my, my health away from me. That's how I am. That's how God wants us to see ourselves. Thorny. Then the thorny, the seed takes root, but it's choked out. Why is it choked out? Well, he talks about the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things. Let's stop right there. This has to do a lot with the flesh. You realize that? A lot to do with the flesh. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, all involve us getting so involved with so many things in our lives that we don't take the quality time that we need to build these truths into our lives. We're so busy trying to make money. We're so busy trying to make a living. We're so busy over here with this. Remember in the last days, what was one of the things that's going to stand out? They want entertainment more than they want God. And boy, do we live in that world right now? We sure do. We want entertainment. We want to be entertained. Even in church, we want to be entertained. You know what? I want us to be entertained by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when we come to church. That's who I want to entertain us. When he shows up and shows off his mighty power and glory in our midst, that should be our desire. So what happens is it takes root. It's starting to grow. But there's so many distractions here, there. Peter walking on the water. So many distractions looking around and all that. 
And then all these other things sit in and choke out the word. And you know, in a garden, you've got to do like my grandfather did. I've told you many times. He sat there with his little umbrella over his head in the hot sun, kicked his chair back with his cane. And if a weed popped up under his watch, he plucked it out with his cane. He didn't give it time to even take root, or, 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 I mean, to produce fruit or choke it out. He just got rid of it, just like that head, the meticulous garden. More, meticulous garden, more than I've ever seen anybody. I'm telling you, he was the one that just got all over me because I didn't water the plants. I was working doubles and all that. I didn't water the plants. He came over and he waved his, plucked me with the stick, his, with his cane. Well, got the hose, put the thing on full blast and just let the whole thing flood the whole garden. <laughs> Sorry, Grandpa. It's not hard when you think of, in terms of, of farming, right? You know if you deny it water, what's going to happen? They're going to dry up like my plants did, right? Well, just for example, we talked about this summer. Have you noticed the difference between last summer and this summer? When it comes to the trees and the leaves? I have a picture of my sister-in-law who lives right next to me. Her beautiful tree, absolutely gorgeous. The yellows and orange and red and just, just absolutely beautiful array of color. This year, it's all brown and withered. Most of the leaves are falling off like this here and no color whatsoever. What was the difference? Something made a difference, right? I think it was COVID. COVID, it was COVID. Right? COVID did it. But we see it does affect. That's the whole point. Even in the natural, it does affect the plant. And so if we're, if it's hard, if it's shallow, if it's encumbered, then what happens? It's not going to produce fruit. But then he went on to say about the good soil, you understand it, you receive it, right? And you protect it in your heart with patience. It'll produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Good, acceptable, perfect will of God. 30, 60, 100 fold. It'll produce that. But what does that tell you when it comes to preaching the word? I learned this way back at school at Raymond when, when Brother Hagin taught it, and I thought, oh my goodness, really? That means of, if you divide that into quarters, like 100%, 75% will not produce any fruit. 75 of people that you preach to are not going to have any fruit. 25 of the last 25%, 30, 60, 100. Only a third, a third, and a third. A third, 30, a third, 60, a third, 100. 30, 60, 100 fold. So that brings it down to eight, what, and a third percent? Think eight and a third percent. If my math is right, eight times three is 24, third, 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 that's one, 25 percent. Isn't that encouraging? No wonder Jeremiah says, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done preaching. Nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to listen. I'm done. And he said, and so I shut my mouth, and then there was a fire in my bones, and I just couldn't help but to do it. Amen. I had to proclaim it. Under point three, God gives the increase. So Paul sowed the seed, Apollos watered the seed, and now God gives in the increase. Are you ready for it? Well, if God gives the increase, then how do we get God on the scene? Well, since you asked, in Psalm 118, verse 21, I will praise thee, 
for you heard me and you have become my salvation. So praise is the way we get God on the scene. That's why we've said once you pray your prayer of faith, start praising him for the answer. Because when you praise him for the answer, he shows up on the scene to make it materialize or become a reality. I will praise you because you heard me when I said, I believe I received my healing, Lord. I believe I received my whatever deliverance, Lord. I believe I received victory, Lord. I believe I received from on high. I'm going to praise you, praise you for the victory, praise you for this nation under your sp spiritual anointing. Thank you, dear Father. I praise you. So as we praise him, praise God, he shows up and he begins to make good his word in our lives. Look at number uh, point B. Praise was the first one. Psalm 22, verse 3, God inhabits, God dwells in the praises of his people. We need to get to a place beyond where we just say, well, okay, I'm going to say it because I've been told to say it, but no, 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 no. It's when we really get a revelation of it. It's when we really see that God is living in the praises of his people. I'm his people. I'm praising you that I'm delivered. If you recall the story of the, um, remember the woman that had the, the, the praise? The baskets of praise, remember that? The praise cure, all these other cures, people have used the mud cure, the barefoot cure, the this cure, the that cure. But she had the, God told her about the praise cure and said, she had all these smallpox all over her body and there were so many all over her body from head to toe. She was full of smallpox and she was in, in quarantine and the nurses that were there uh, were trying to minister to her and help her as much as they possibly could. When the Lord spoke to her and said to her, you see, this is your basket that's full of the problem of your pox. And this is the basket over here that's praise. And it's weighed down here. And this one's up here. He said, you got to praise me that you're healed. And don't stop praising me that you're healed. And when your praise is rising up, then you'll see the manifestation of your healing. So this woman is in quarantine this is way back in the day, way back in the day, before all the vaccines and all that stuff. And she starts the praise cure. Praise you that I'm healed. Praise you I'm delivered. I praise you I'm free. I praise you that I'm free of smallpox in Jesus' name. Praise you. I pray. And the people thought she was absolutely mad out of her mind. What's wrong with you? You're a crazy lady. And they, they thought she's losing it. And they said, stop it. You're going to make yourself weak. And she goes, no, 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 no. I'm praising him. And finally, one day, someone once said to her, why do you praise so much? Because I got so many pox. I just have to praise God that I'm healed from them all. And she kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on until finally the Lord showed her in a vision. You see, it was a balancing scale and said, you see that? Your praise is now up here, down here rather, and here's your problem up here. You've got the victory. And every pock left her body and she was completely healed. Called the praise cure. God showed up because of the praise. And it was like you get beyond the fact that I'm looking at my situation, my problem, and I'm praising God, exalting him above it. And that's taking us to the throne of God. That's entrance into his throne. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, your heart into his course with praise. And so we praise him and praise him and praise him. And he manifests himself and brings victory. So God gives the increase under Psalm, Psalm 50 verse 23. Praise glorifies God. Whoso offer praise glorifies me, and to him that orders his conversation to write, will I show, demonstrate, what? The salvation of God. When do we see it manifest? When we praise him well in advance, before we see anything. We're praising him because we trust him and we believe him to honor his word, to be faithful to his word, to perform it in our lives, and so that's what we do. Look at the next. And the point D. 2 Chronicles 5, 11 through 14. 
It's when they all got together, they were purified. They had white linen on, right? And they were just not just purified, but they were sanctified. They were set apart. They didn't wait by course. They were set apart. But then they were unified and they were in all together in unity. And they began to sing and praise and say that God, praise God is good and his mercies endure forever. What happens? He shows up. He shows up. See, if God gives the increase, don't we want him to show up? And how do we get him to show up? This is how we get him to show up. Praise God. The seed of God's word is sown. Someone waters it. And then when you get a revelation of it, man, you start praising him. He shows up. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, three armies coming against them. It's like they're going to be wiped off the planet. And what happens? And when the praisers were sent out and they began to praise God saying he is good, his mercy is endured forever, that then, then God manifested himself. God fought for them. And all the enemy was, actually they killed one another. As a result, they were confounded. Why? Because God showed up and they didn't know what to do, so they killed each other. But it all started with praise. Look at Jonah chapter 2, 9 and 10. Jonah in the belly of a well. You talk about a situation he was in, but he sacrificed praise. The word is sacrifice. He offered the sacrifice of praise, and when he did, now that it's nice, he was vomited out of the belly of the, of the, of the whale. But God showed up. And we know the famous story of Paul and Silas, Acts 16. Prayer, they took their problem to God in prayer. Prayer takes our problem to God. But praise brought God into the situation. They prayed and they sang praises to God. Why? Because they understood that prayer is taking the problem to God. But once you take the problem to God, then do what? Praise Him for the victory. Praise Him for the answer. And God inhabited their praises. It shook the house where they were sitting together. or where, where, I'm sorry, the jailhouse where they were all bound. Everyone's bands were loosed. And they all were set free. And so, praise God. Prayer takes the problem to God, but praise brings God into the situation. Under point four here, I thought this was enlightening, and I think it would be very helpful to all of us. T.L. Osborne. And if you don't know him, you can look him up, but he was a tremendous uh, evangelist, missionary, that um, he got involved in, in Pentecostalism when he, first of all, before being filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God, he went in, over into India where he was... Uh, trying to evangelize these villages and all that. But he got turned away because of no success. And what he ran into was a bunch of people saying, well, we got a book like you got a book. You got a Bible, we got a Koran. Well, we got big buildings. Well, you got, we got big buildings too. We got a big crowd. You got a big crowd also, etc." He was discouraged. He came back to the States. I believe it was a William Branham meeting that he ended up going to. And he saw the power of God on display like he had never seen before in his life. He went back to his room and he got on his face before God and said, this is the only way. This is the only way. And so he got before God, got filled with the Holy Ghost. And God showed him there was a need for his power to be on display in order to penetrate what he was going through with religious traditions and all that. You had to show them something that they'd never seen before. He went back into the same area, and this time when he went back there, I love the boldness of the man. He said, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. But before I do, let me tell you this. 
he is not just a savior, but a healer. And he's here to heal your body right now. If he doesn't heal you, I'm leaving. He's a farce. Forget about him. But if he does, you got a decision to make. He prayed a simple prayer over the crowd. Blind eyes were open, deaf ears were open, the lame were walking. And miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Guess what? He didn't have to preach a whole lot. They came running up to the platform. Cancers were healed. All kinds of conditions were healed. He would, they were all delivered and set free. Now we want to know what you got to tell us about your Jesus. That's what got them to the other side. So um, here's what he says. Someone approached him at a meeting and said, Mr. Osborne, do you believe I must have faith? Don't you think I could be healed through your faith? And many people think that way. And you can be healed through someone's faith, but here's his answer. There is no doubt but that being healed through another's faith is the scriptural exception, not the rule. I would advise you to abide by the rule rather than the exception. You will never walk in this victory as long as you are depending on the faith of another. Did you get those words? Exception, rule, and victory. Yes, you can be healed by someone else's faith. You can go to a Catherine Coleman meeting and get healed, but that doesn't mean you're going to keep it. Many didn't keep their healing. They, they got healed, but then it came back on them later. And I remember Hagen saying that a lot of his crusades, he did an extensive survey of people so that he could get a better understanding of this because he said, I don't understand all this. How so many people get healed and some don't get healed and some are Christians, some are not, etc., etc. And so finally he just had this survey done. And he saw that the majority of the ones that got healed were the ones that didn't, either weren't saved or they didn't have any teaching on healing whatsoever. But the ones that were taught in the Word, that knew the Word, that were filled with the Holy Ghost, many of them did not get healed. Most of them did not get healed. So he realized that, look it, this is like a calling card. Yes, you're going to get it that way in some of these meetings, but from that point on, you have a responsibility to get into the Word of God, learn of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer, and apply the principles of His Word to your life if you want to walk in permanent victory. And so that's uh, what he's talking about here. I saw T.L. Osborne uh, when I was at school. Just a wonderful, compassionate human being. When I say compassionate, it, it, he was just dripping with compassion. And as he made his way through all the different, I think at that time, 70-some nations that he had, uh, had missionary outreaches in. So many people that came and were delivered and set free. But also, he also noticed this. When you go back into a lot of these places where now that they've been delivered and set free, they have to walk in faith. They have to. That's just the way it is. Number five, the message, the methods, and the moment. Under point A, the message is always the same. It never changes. I'll tell you what, we got to let it sink into our ears. We are so challenged along this line when it comes to our belief system. You know, many people that are out there in Christianity that say, oh, healing is not for everybody. Healing's been done away with. Or it's only according to his will, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you are 
absolutely at war with trying to figure out these people why they are fighting for the right to stay sick. They're fighting for the right to stay sick. What? Really? Oh, yeah. And that's the point. But yet they'll go to a doctor to get better. Doesn't it make more sense that if you want to be well and the doctor wants you to be well and God wants you to be well, that we should all work together? Isn't that the way we should see it? That's why we use every means and every method in order for us to get better. And that's the next point. But the thing is, the message never changes. What is the message? On the cross. This is the report of Isaiah, Isaiah 53. He bore sickness, he carried our pains, and by stripes we were healed. It became the curse on Calvary's tree for us that we might be redeemed from the curse and blessed with favor of Abraham. So that includes poverty, sickness, and death that we've been redeemed from. We are redeemed, we're delivered, we're set free. God sees us that way. And here's the point. We have to see ourselves the way God sees us if we want our faith level to rise. I see myself in you. I see myself holding you. I receive all that you've done for me. Look, you paid an awful price for me to experience this. I need to believe it. I need to declare it. I need to receive it. Act like I believe it and know it. It's true in my life. And that's what God wants us to do. The methods may be many. Jesus healed five blind men five different ways. The method may be, methods may be many. But the message is always one. It's always the same. So whatever method, that's fine. Go to the scriptures. You can lay hands on the sick. You can anoint them with oil. You can use the name of Jesus. You can pray the prayer of agreement. All of those are different ways and methods by which we can receive healing, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, etc., etc. All those gifts of the Spirit in operation, discerning of spirits, casting out a devil. All those are methods, but the message never changes. The price that was paid was the blood of Jesus Christ. His very life was poured out so we could be set free. It was all placed on him, the iniquity of us all, the disease of us all, the sickness, the mental anguish, the curse, all placed on him for every single one of us to be free. And that's how he wants us to see ourselves and acknowledge what he did for us. Amen. It's not up to what we've done. It's up to what he's done. Then we have the moment. The moment is when one is totally convinced and fully persuaded he's received from God without any physical evidence. I don't have to see it to believe it. That's the moment. And sometimes that moment hits at different times. We, don't, we can't predict it. We don't know it. But um, I remember, I go back when, years ago, and I remember when we couldn't have a child. I believe the message before, the message that Jesus bore us to scared our pains, but facing with the report that the doctor says you can't have children. So we were planning on adopting even though I said God is one of them, doesn't want us to have children, which I don't, I think is just contradictory, because I, why am I adopting if God doesn't want me to have children? You see how messed up we could be? The way we think? And they don't even think anything of it. I didn't think anything of it. I thought I was doing the right thing. I would tell my friend, God doesn't want me to have any more children. Oh, okay. But I got papers in for adoption. Oh. Didn't know what he thought, but does that make any sense? No. God doesn't want me to have children. But I'm adopting. Okay. Wow. The moment. Brother Jose walks into the crane cab. How many children do you have? One. Can't have any more. Why? Endometriosis is so bad. Surgery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, no need to get the details. So I'm adopting. Brother, have you ever read Psalm 128? This is how I was. 
You ever read Psalm 128? Uh, I don't know. Read it. I got to go pick up a lift. He leaves. I read it. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord and walks in his ways. That's me, Lord. Happy shall he be. And that's me, Lord. I'm happy. His wife shall be a fruitful vine planted by the sides of his house and his children like olive plants round about the table. What? The moment. When I tell you the moment, it hit me square between the eyes. I saw that verse of scripture, fell to my knees in that dirty crane, graphite-filled cab, and said, Father, forgive me. I have misrepresented you. I have told a multitude of people that you don't want us to have children, but your word says you want me to. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I know I did it in ignorance, but I did it. Forgive me. I repent. Picked up this Bible after my shift was over, went home and explained it to within two weeks she was pregnant. Five years of trying and no. But within two weeks of laying hands on her stomach, cursing endometriosis, commanding the healing power to flow through her body, boom, and two weeks later she's pregnant. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. But you see, that was the moment. That moment, it impacted me. It went to my heart. And But notice what it made me do. I, no one had to tell me, repent first. I didn't have to, I'd have to be told that. I misrepresented you, Lord. Got on my knees. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Thank you. Now I know what I'm going to do. <clears throat> and I did. So the moment is important. When does it hit you? If you got the message, you can have a method. One, the, the, the moment was, we made a, an appointment, just like you would a doctor's appointment. This was in a little church in Midland on a Sunday night service. And she said she couldn't have children. And she said, I make an appointment. Six o'clock. Service began at seven. Six o'clock. I'm going to fast and pray on Saturday. And, su and Sunday night is when you lay hands on me and I will receive my healing. Period. So I agreed. Six o'clock that night came. And they came. What She came with her husband. And I just went to lay hands on her. I said, you ready for this? And she said, I'm ready. I'll receive right now. And I went to lay hands on her. And it's just like the power of God hit her and knocked her back into her husband's arms. And she gave birth to two daughters. The moment. Sometimes we have to make the appointment for the moment. Just like you would schedule a doctor's appointment for surgery or something like that or, or whatever. A test that you're taking. And that's when you're going to make up your mind. This is it. This is what I'm doing. Now, here, very quick, I'll just run through these and we'll close. The five A's. This, this has enlightened me, been a blessing to me. And I think it helps us also when we're serious with God. Five A's when it comes to receiving from God. First of all, the first A is admit it. Admit the natural report. Nothing wrong with admitting it. Admitting it doesn't mean you believe it or you exalt it above the word of God. But the natural report is a natural report. Can you see that? There's a big wall over there. Well, no, I don't see a wall. Yeah, well, there's a wall there. There's a mountain there. I don't see a mountain. Well, there's a mountain there. Sorry. By saying it's not there, it does not make it go away. 
So if it says that the report says you've got a whatever in your body. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, you do, because the natural report says it. it says it right there. There you can see it. Okay. All right. Do you remember when Jehoshaphat was challenged by the three armies? He didn't say, three armies aren't coming at us, Lord. No, they're coming. And he knew they were coming. He was told they were coming. He believed they were coming. And he said, Lord, they're coming. They're going to wipe us out. Number two, arm yourself with the word of God. Arm yourself with the word of God. Admit it. Man, I'll tell you what, Lord, I don't feel good right now. I've got this situation going on in my body right now. I admit it, but I'm going to arm myself with the word of God. I'm going to just flood my spirit with the word of God. I'm going to find out what the word of God says about my situation. Admit it. And that's exactly what he said. He said, he said, Joshua said, Lord, did you not say that when we enter into the land and someone comes against us to destroy us, did you not say for us to look to you because you would deliver us out of their hands? Didn't you say that? He got the word. See, he got the word inside him. That's exactly what he said. Ask what you want from God. We want your help. We want your divine intervention. We want you to defend us and, de and defeat the enemy for us. Uh, and that's exactly what he wanted. That's exactly what he got because God moved upon the prophet. And when he moved upon the prophet, what happened? He said, you don't have to fight in this battle. Don't you love this? You don't have to fight in the battle because the battle is the Lord's and the victory is yours. So in other words, stop fighting now and just start praising God for the victory. And that's when they sent out the praises and the praises went out and they praised God. And when they began to praise God, that's when God manifested himself and the power destroyed the work of the enemy. D, actively resist. Actively resist negative thoughts and contradictions to the word that you've sown. Actively resist negative thoughts and contradictions. You've sown the word in your heart. You believe you receive it now. You're thanking God that you have it. And you're going to be bombarded with all kinds of thoughts telling you you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. It's not going to work for you. You're not good enough, etc., 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 etc. You deal with all of that before you ever release your faith. Because you know why? Once you release your faith, you say, well, you tell the devil this, is too, you're too late. Should have got me before I did this because I've already done it, and you're too late. You can't tell me I'm not good enough because I'm a masterpiece. Look at me. I'm a masterpiece. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm an heir of God, joint heir with Jesus, and one in the conquer, in the conquer. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. Okay, and the last one, associate, and I love this, with people of doubt and unbelief. Hello. Of like precious faith. Beloved, this is a camp that needs to join itself together with other believers of like precious faith because you go back to the Joshua's and the Caleb's, out of two and a half million people, only two people had faith. That's not the majority last I checked. That's the minority. So you've got to surround yourself with people of like precious faith. Why? To keep our faith level up. To keep on encouraging us to stand in faith, to stay in faith. Having done all to stand, stand in faith. I know God heard me. I know I have it. And I thank God that I'm victorious. Praise God. And whatever direction he tells you to go, that's the direction that you take. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord.